1: Welcome into the Ravens vault. We are now approaching and closing in on the third and final preseason game as the Ravens push forward to the 2022 regular season. And it's only right we do a game preview episode being that the DMV is well represented. It's the Washington Commanders hosting the Baltimore Ravens. It's a Saturday four o'clock kickoff and we're looking forward to a number of different pieces of content coming out in the coming days. But this one is a crossover episode for a couple different reasons. One, because of, yeah, the regional priority that we have here for both Washington and Baltimore fans and the crossover that we know is involved there. But also because Al Galdi is our special guest. And Sarah, he's a member of the Blue Wire family as well. And I thought it was a good
2: conversation. Yeah, it was a great conversation. And it'll be, I think fans will enjoy this. It was nice to kind of get, His perspective of the Ravens being, you know, just a handful of miles down south and not just his, but all the fans and the commanders fans view of the Ravens. I think that that will be very interesting for for Ravens fans to listen to.
1: And their big acquisition of the offseason was bringing in Carson Wentz. And he's somebody who has been a very polarizing figure, whether you like it or not, or whether you believe he is or not, over the course of his time in the NFL, specifically around the last year or so in Indianapolis. So I'll be curious to see how much he plays, if at all, and how that interior defensive line greets him down in Washington. So anyways, we're going to get into all of that and more with Al Galdi. He's the host of the Al Galdi podcast. He's the co-host of the Nats Chat podcast and a very popular DC sports personality. So let's bring him into the vault. All right, Al, welcome into the vault. It's your debut.
3: I know I've been preparing for this. I'm not sure if I am truly ready for this, but I'm gonna give it a shot. So thank you for having me.,
1: uh, we're looking forward to it for sure. And of course, it's the third and final preseason game that we're gonna be talking about in this episode between the Ravens and Commanders. And we have a number of things that we wanted to to get your take on. You got a great pulse on the DC sports community and whatnot, but specifically you got a new QB one that you've had a chance to sink your teeth into throughout the course of this off season. And he's been a big story, not only regionally and locally, but nationally as well. What is the, the fans pulse right now on Carson Wentz and, his expectations going into year one in Washington.
3: Yeah, so you know, I think initially when the Commanders traded for Carson Wentz in March, people were taken by surprise. Uh, that was not a name that had come up. Uh, anything that had been out there about Carson in the preceding weeks to the trade was pretty much negative. I mean, the way that the Colts were talking about Carson even before trading him stood out. Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, did a press conference at the combine that still hard to believe happened, but Ballard. While Carson was still on the Colts, threw a lot of shade on Carson, talked about him needing to grow and handle criticism criticism better, et cetera. So the initial reaction to the trade was not very favorable. As time has gone on, I think people have become much more open to Carson Wentz, myself included. Now, I think there are still a lot of questions and concerns. It's impossible to ignore the obvious thing of uh, the commanders are his third team in three seasons, but you do with Carson Wentz see some things that are encouraging. Um, So far, he has said everything you want to hear uh, in terms of, you know, past criticisms and past struggles and the really bad two games he had to conclude his tenure as Colts quarterback. You know, he has taken ownership of his struggles. He has not been defensive when asked tough questions. And, you know, all of this is talk. And, you know, none of it's going to matter if he doesn't play well this coming season. But you know, you get the sense that maybe Carson has grown up a little bit and maybe is uh, cognizant of, hey, this may well be his true last shot at being a QB one in the NFL. So that's been good. The other thing with Wentz is, you know, if you look at him objectively, he's not a great quarterback by any stretch, but he certainly can be decent. And Washington has had a uh, really bad quarterback play for four consecutive seasons now. So decent is actually a marked improvement. Like If Wentz can just be like a top 15 starting quarterback in the NFL, that's substantially better than the quarterback play that Washington has had in recent years. And so if Wentz can just play at that level, um, that's going to mean good things for the Commanders because they have not had quarterback play like that in a while. It says a lot about the franchise and the, uh, the real struggles the team has had in terms of finding good quarterback play. But, you know, most people are looking at Carson Wentz, myself included, as he doesn't have to be great. He just has to be decent. And that's what you're looking for in terms of trying to make the playoffs this season. Is he a long term answer? Probably not. But can he be a decent quarterback for you for a season or two? Yeah, I think that is possible.
2: Hey, Al, you had mentioned that, you know, since Carson has been there, he has said all the right things. And kind of outside of of Washington, those of us looking in, a lot of us saw that interview that he had with Scott Abraham, where abraham certainly posed tough questions but the way he phrased it was was a bit brutal and carson you know had a classy response but
3: there's been kind of a narrative out there here in training camp that you've been a little inaccurate on your throws uh consistently inconsistent has been a kind of a terminology how would you assess your performance in training camp and is that characterization uh fair
1: yeah i mean for one it's camp you know i think
2: Uh, I didn't know that. So thank you, but uh, I know because I know you told me you don't read that stuff at the same
3: time
1: uh, I'm my biggest critic So I I come back after practice and I'm kicking myself over one two three
3: four five plays, you know Real talk here Carson. It's been well documented Philly didn't want you Indy didn't want you Do you think this is your last chance to prove that you can be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, you
1: know, I don't really think about all that stuff for me. I'm playing the game that I love and I have the most confidence of anybody in myself to deliver, to play at a high level, to, you know, be a part of something special here with this team. And so I don't, I don't put all that pressure on myself. I don't put, you know, people can, can feel that way. People can say what they want. And, uh, I have no issue with that. You know, that is what it is. But for me, I don't, I don't think in those terms,
2: what are your thoughts on that interview? And number two, what are your thoughts on team president, Jason Wright, kind of clapping back and and threatening access.
3: Yeah, that was a big deal. You know, I know Scott Abraham a little bit. He's a good man. He's not, you know, like some jerk or anything like that. And he's far from like a hater of the commanders. He's actually put out a lot of positive content about the team. Uh, I do think that that specific question that triggered a lot of people, you know, was phrased in a bit of a harsh manner. It didn't have to be phrased that way. I don't know if he was trying to be sarcastic or trying to overstate something in order to kind of loosen things up. But, you know, it didn't come off that way for sure. You know, say that Philly didn't want you, Indy didn't want you, like, okay, uh, we get that. So, yeah, I mean, I think in hindsight, it probably could have been phrased uh, with more of a bedside manner. Um, So a few things with all of that. I thought Carson handled it perfectly. And like I said, Carson, in every instance since the commanders traded for him, has handled tough questions very well. He has been asked questions about why the Colts traded him. He has been asked questions about what the Colts owner and CEO, Jim Irsay, has said about Carson. And Irsay has not been shy about being critical of Carson. Uh, Carson has always taken the high road. Carson has not shied away from, again, him having played poorly over the Colts' final two games of last season. So I know for me as a fan of the team, what stuck with me was, hey, this is another instance of Carson Wentz handling a difficult question. Well, again, what does that mean for the coming season? Who the heck knows, right? It's all just talk. But it would be really troubling if he was getting all defensive and he was, you know, uh, getting antsy about being asked these tough questions. Like, he's handling them quite well. So that definitely stuck out with me. Now, specific to the team president, Jason Wright, I thought that Jason's tweet at Scott was overly harsh. Uh, I didn't think that Jason needed to do that. Carson handled the question just fine. I didn't think that Carson needed the team president, who, by the way, is in charge of business operations, not football operations, to defend Carson. But at the same time, I can respect what Jason Wright did. He was standing up for a co-worker, a teammate, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, if you read the tweet that Jason sent back at Scott and for everyone to see, you know, Jason starts essentially threatening uh, Scott's access and talking about how, well, good luck developing a rapport with other commanders players as if Jason was like uh, trying to communicate to commanders players. Hey, don't talk to this guy. And Jason called Scott, I think it was like arrogant and pompous or something like that. I thought that that was a bit much. I didn't think that we needed that. Uh, you know, Jason Wright, uh, to be honest with you, has had his own problems since he came here. He, he seems like a good man. But there have been a lot of PR mishaps. There have been a lot of things under his purview that have not gone well. To me, if I'm Jason, I'm focusing on getting those things right and not worrying about what a reporter is asking your quarterback. That's more of a football thing. That's something I think if anyone was going to handle, probably Ron Rivera uh, should have handled But yeah, I mean, to me, I think the big takeaway is, again, Carson and him handling, like you guys pointed out, a question that was not a softie and giving Pretty much the exact answer you want to give
1: how you and I chatted a few weeks ago. And I think along these same lines, right, the overarching theme here is that can it ever just be about football in the district? Apparently not. Why?
3: Yeah, well, there's a lot to that. You know, I think a big issue is you've had all this stuff for multiple decades now. Right. And all of this stuff is rooted in an owner in Dan Snyder who might be the single most despised person in major North American sports. I mean, name me someone who is less liked than Dan, maybe James Dolan, the Knicks owner. I mean, it's a short list. So you have this cumulative effect of all of these things for all of these years. And what keeps happening is that stuff keeps coming out and stuff keeps coming up. And so you can't get away from it. And, you know, Ron Rivera has said, you know, like, let's move forward. Let's focus on the future. I think we all would love to do that. It's hard to do that, though, when like every five minutes, something seemingly is popping up from the past. It starts with the owner. There's no question about that. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is I don't know that that's going to change anytime soon. Now, there have been some things over the last, say, 12 to 24 months that perhaps suggest that maybe possibly Dan's ownership tenure could come to an end. You know, there have been multiple scandals. There was a report in USA Today a few months ago that some of the NFL owners were finally taking stock of who might be on board with voting Dan out of the NFL. But the momentum toward Dan being ousted really seems to have slowed down. And I don't think you should be holding your breath if you're a Commanders fan that Dan's going to be ousted anytime soon. You know, he's in his 50s. It's not like he's in his 80s or 90s. So, you know, barring something unforeseen, he's going to be the owner of the team for years to come. So this is just kind of how it is. And the team, if it's ever going to be good for any sustained period of time, needs to overcome the owner, which is, you know, you hate saying that as a fan of the team. But that's kind of the reality of the situation. Ron Rivera was brought here to change the culture. There's irony in that because the bad culture starts with the guy who hired Ron and Dan Snyder. I think Ron has done some positive things. But, you know, this team has been bad now for close to 30 years. And by the way, it started before Dan bought the team. There were issues prior to Dan buying the team. So there's a lot that goes into why this team has had struggles. The struggles basically started when Joe Gibbs retired for the first time after the 1992 season. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the short answer is it starts at the top and look. Uh, being based in Washington, D.C., we pay attention to the Ravens and it's hard not to be jealous. And, you know, even bitter. And you see Steve Bishotti in the operation. He's run for years. And it, so often we've said, like, why can't we be like that? But we know that we are not like that. Uh, it's very different with the commanders. And that's probably not going to change anytime soon.
2: Hey, speaking of how, you know, the commanders and the and the Washington fan base views the Ravens, I had... Read right a while ago this article from the Washington Post that had highlighted some fans that during Lamar's you know MVP season in 2019. You now that's coinciding with some rough times at, in in the district there, and so it highlighted them saying, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna quit the Commanders and I'm gonna go and become a fan of Lamar." Did you see that to be true? How are things now, and how do people in 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 Washington view Lamar Jackson?
3: Yeah, so. There is this like middle ground area, gray area of what's called the DMV, right? Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia that is becoming more and more like split territory, Commanders and Ravens. And it's something that has happened, I'd say, probably over the last 10 to 15 years. There has been an erosion of the Commanders fan base, certainly from a ticket paying portion of the fan base. There still is a lot of interest in the team. But the attendance at the stadium is awful. Uh, A lot of that has to do with the stadium itself, which is not a good stadium. But, you know, more and more, especially people who are younger, uh, are going toward the Ravens and not the Commanders. I mean, the Commanders team, the franchise, like I said, has been bad for close to 30 years now. So you're talking about since the start of the 1993 season. So if you're not, say, in your 30s, you don't have any memories of the glory days of the Redskins. The glory days of the Redskins were the 1980s and early 1990s. Since then, not a lot of success. And so, you know, you see the Ravens, right? And you see what they've done over the last, you know, 25 years or so. If you're, you know, 8 years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, you don't know the Commander's team ever being anything other than what it's been for decades now. But you also know that the Ravens have been good. And you see this charismatic quarterback in Lamar Jackson and so it's not surprising that you have more and more people uh in the uh, DMV area starting to become Ravens fans. Now, you know, I think there is a line. I think that uh change is only going to go to a certain extent. Like I don't think that the Washington DC area will ever truly become Ravens territory. And if the Commanders do ever get their act together, I think it's going to be on. I think people are going to flock back to being fans of the team, but there's no doubt Um, it's becoming a little murky in terms of like certain spots. You think about like PG County uh, areas like that, you know, you you get toward like the University of Maryland College Park, that sort of middle ground between Baltimore and D.C. There are a good number of Ravens fans. And even in the immediate D.C. area, you will see occasionally, you know, Ravens gear, like people uh, becoming fans of the team. I've even heard of some people say that they were Redskins fans. They are now Ravens fans. Now, Uh, I would question whether those people were ever Redskins fans to begin with. I, I think that's an unnatural thing to do, to go from rooting for one team to go to rooting to another team. But, you know, going back to the owner, he has turned a lot of people off. And so there are people who have sworn off the skins and have gone to the Ravens. There also is this. A lot of people are mad about the name change with the Redskins now commanders. And so that has hurt the fan base as well. A lot of people are uh, really turned off by the team having dropped uh, the name Redskins. So that's in play here too.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Now let's talk about the face of the franchise who's expected to miss at least the first four games, Chase Young, of course, and kind of like Gus Edwards here in Baltimore, Ravens running back. It's sort of unclear in terms of where his rehab is coming back from his torn ACL. I know Chase is in a different situation, but... Is it clear where he is right now?
3: Uh, No, it's not. What is becoming increasingly clear is that he suffered a more serious injury than we were told. Uh, You know, initially it was torn right ACL. And uh, as you guys know, not every torn ACL is the same, right? Like so often a torn ACL is accompanied by, say, you know, a torn MCL, a torn meniscus. Uh, sometimes you have to undergo procedures with your torn ACL that someone else who suffered a torn ACL does not have to undergo. Well, we have come to find out that Chase's torn ACL was not your normal torn ACL, and he had to have a graft from his left knee used on his right knee. Uh, there now is uh, an indication that he suffered a torn patella, so that's part of all of this. So it's more complicated than just torn ACL. The other thing is he suffered this pretty late into last season. He suffered it on November 14th in a win over Tampa Bay at FedEx Field. And there's irony there because that was one of the more surprising Washington wins in recent team history. So it was this glorious day, but it's on that day that, you know, your foundational piece on defense suffers an injury that ends up being a lot worse than anybody realized. So He's on the active, uh, physically unable to perform list. He's going to miss at least, the, or excuse me, the reserve physically unable to perform list. He's going to miss at least the first four games of the Commander's regular season. And I think that he could miss more. Uh, I think it's possible he doesn't make his season debut until, say, week six, week seven. He can come back in week five. I don't think any Commander's fan should be holding his or her breath on that. And what further complicates things is that, you know, Chase had a great rookie season 2020. He was the Associated Press Defensive Rookie of the Year. but Last season was not a good season for him. He was a disappointment and then he suffered this knee injury. And now you look at his third NFL season, this 2022 season, it could end up being a lost season because you don't know when he's going to make his season debut. And, uh, you know, it may well be he comes back, he makes his season debut and say he's on a pitch count and he's, you know, rusty and it takes a few weeks to get going. And by then, you know, you're into what, week nine, week 10? And uh, you're approaching the end of the regular season. So it could end up being that two of his first three NFL seasons are disappointing slash lost seasons. And uh, that's not what he was drafted for, right? And it's unfortunate. I mean, he was taken with the number two pick in the 2020 draft. He, he was as hyped of an edge defender as you know, you'll know you ever see. Local guy. Went to DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. And uh, you know so far, it's been mixed with him. He's a talented guy. He's a good guy. It's not like he's a bad person or anything like that. But uh, it has not been what we had hoped it would be, and it's going to be even tougher now, given the nature of the injury that he's coming off of.
2: So, Al, let's, um, let's turn our attention a little bit to this weekend's matchup. Now, the preseason, there's always overreactions, right? You know, your team plays well and you think you're going to be awesome in the regular season or vice versa. You really can't tell what's really going to happen. So... Help put things in perspective with for Ravens fans. What are some of the weaknesses of the commanders? So if the Ravens happen to do well in that area, you know, don't get too cocky. This just isn't, you know, very, where we're very good. What could you say there?
3: Well, we don't know the extent to which starters slash key commanders players are going to play. Ron Rivera at his post-practice press conference on Wednesday used the phrase very limited in terms of playing starters in this game. I have my doubts about whether Ron is going to play starters slash key players. I think he may have just said that so that starters and key players prepare to play. And then shortly before kickoff, he will tell them they are not playing. Uh, I can't remember the last time any Washington team played key players in a preseason finale. But, you know, you don't know. It is now a three-game preseason, uh, so we'll see. So I think that's kind of the first thing of you don't know who you're going to be playing. But if, in fact, starters do play, a major issue... Uh for the commanders this preseason, a huge issue for Washington last season was a third down defense. Uh Washington finished last season next to last in the NFL in third down defense. Uh the commanders so far this preseason over two games, and I'm talking about starters, not like you know, fourth quarter guys, have gotten carved up on third downs. Uh the Chiefs, who the commanders played at last Saturday, The uh, time in which Patrick Mahomes was in the game, so the first two Chiefs offensive drives, five for five on third downs and some massive pickups on those third downs. And I'm not talking about like a bunch of third and ones that were converted, like third and longs uh, or third down plays that resulted in explosive plays. So that's a huge issue for this team. It's got to get rectified. If not, uh, the commanders are in store for a rough season. So I think third down defense is the big one. Uh, Offensively, so Carson Wentz in the preseason so far has been fine. But there's been nothing dynamic about the offense. I don't know how much of that is just the team going vanilla and not game planning much. But it's hard to get a handle on, Okay, have things been underwhelming just because that's the preseason? Or have things been underwhelming because things still aren't where they need to be? So that would be another thing. But I'm not anticipating starters and key players playing for long. And I actually would be a little surprised if they played at all. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, Ron did stay very limited on Wednesday, so we'll see if he actually sticks to that.
1: Al, give us an outsider's perspective. Could you give a rat's ass about 22 straight preseason wins in Baltimore?
3: You know, it's funny. I've been talking on my podcast about that. I want the commanders to end that streak just because it's like this obnoxious streak that, like, you know, you keep hearing about. It. But again, I go back to this from a commander's perspective. There is this, like, you know, I don't know if jealousy is the right word, but You know, we looked at the Ravens and we're like, we want to be like that. I mean, the Ravens, what they've been for years, that's what the Redskins were in their glory days. And so when you see that, you're like, this can be the case. It doesn't have to be the way that it's been with our team for so long. So, yeah, in kind of a, you know, a cheap, bitter way, I would love for the Commanders to end that winning streak. I mean, you know, it's the classic thing of like, does the preseason mean anything Does a preseason winning streak mean anything? It's such a quirky thing. But, you know, again, with the Ravens, it's like, well, okay, 22 consecutive wins in the preseason. Does that mean anything in the grand scheme of things? No. But this is an organization that has done things well for a long time. So maybe there is something to that. Like if the Jaguars had a 22-game preseason winning streak, we would know that that's worthless. But because it's the Ravens, you actually give it some thought of like, hmm, maybe there is something to that. Uh, so we'll
2: see. Oh, it's funny because there's definitely a segment of fans that hope that the Commanders end it too. There's a segment that just want it <laughs> want it over. There's another segment. It's like, no, look, this is just proof of the death of the Ravens, and you know we'll read too much into it. So, but uh, Al, we know we gotta we gotta get you out of here. So we'll end it on this. Give us a big picture view. How are the Commanders looking in the NFC East? Do you think that they're a playoff can- contender? What's your outlook on them?
3: Yeah, I do think that they're a playoff contender because. If you look at the team last season, so Washington last season faced the single toughest schedule in the NFL, if you go by the Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Washington last season was ravaged by injury on offense. Washington last season got wrecked by a big COVID outbreak late in the season and still went 7-10. and 10. And if not for all of those things, there's no reason that Washington last season couldn't have gone at least 8-9, and nine, maybe 9-8. Nine and eight. So if you factor that in and then you look at this season, the schedule this season on paper is a lot easier. You at quarterback. I think do have an upgrade. Carson Wentz over Taylor Heineke, who was never supposed to be the starter last season. Ryan Fitzpatrick was. He got injured uh, with a hip injury in week one and was out for the rest of the season. And, you know, you're certainly not anticipating being wrecked by injury on offense the way that the team was last season. And you're certainly not anticipating uh, COVID being an issue this coming season, given the way the NFL is handling that now. So I don't think it's unreasonable to say, hey, there's no, you know, this team can go, you know, nine and eight or better. There's also this. The NFC East has not had a repeat winner. In forever. You've got to go back to when the Philadelphia Eagles won four consecutive NFC East titles 20 or so years ago. For the last time there was a repeat winner in the division. The division has not been a strong division for a long time. And so there's kind of like this law now of whoever won the division last season isn't going to win the division this coming season. On paper, Dallas is the favorite to win the division. But we know how things can go. Already the Cowboys are having some issues. And so if you kind of go by process of elimination, you know, the Giants, uh, I think, still have a ways to go. Now, maybe they have a surprising season. Who knows? Philadelphia has its issues. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that the commanders could win the division or at least get a wild card spot. Um, Ron Rivera has said this needs to be a step forward season. This is his third season as Washington head coach. Uh, He went seven and nine with an NFC East title in year one, went seven and ten in year, year two. The team hasn't had a winning regular season since 2016. You combine that with the rebrand, the new name. The team needs to have a good season. There is pressure on this team to have a good season, uh, and I think that it is possible. The Commanders, overall, to me, are like in the middle class of the NFL. So you know, they could go seven and ten, they could go ten and seven. You know, the ceiling probably isn't much higher than ten wins, but I also think that the floor isn't much lower than say seven losses. So yeah, injuries, how Wentz plays, all of that's going to be key. Uh, But I do think that making the playoffs is very doable for the commanders this year.
1: Al, we plugged your podcasts at the top, but let everybody know where they can find you and what you have coming up.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. So I do the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, It comes out each weekday, Monday through Friday, out by the 5 a.m. hour. Uh, Talk a lot of commanders. Talk a lot about Washington, D.C. sports. So, you know, Capitals, Nationals, Wizards. Also talk a lot of Orioles. There are still a lot of Orioles fans in the Washington, D.C. area, so we have a lot of fun with that. And uh, for anyone listening who is a Nationals fan, I also do a Nationals-only podcast, the uh, Nat Chat Podcast. So thank you for that.
1: So, Sarah, a nice little primer there with Al, who, boy, does he have a ra- – man, I thought I had a radio voice until we started interviewing him.
2: <laughs> he really does. He's He's just got that silky smooth voice, and he brought a lot of good perspective, Bobby. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was just – you know the commanders fan base view of the ravens i've always kind of wondered i mean if if i were in their position i'd be jealous of the ravens too <laughs> you know like to just compare the ravens came into existence in 1996 have two super bowls have had you know iconic players ray lewis lamar jackson ed reed just just all the all this storied success and while the ravens have not lived up to, you know, what many believe is their potential, you know, going deeper in the playoffs sometimes just to juxtapose that with your neighbor down South, you just kind of like, okay, yeah, I do have things pretty well without all the drama that follows the commanders. You've got a owner. I mean, it's just not even comparable Steve Busciotti to, to Dan Snyder. And, and you know, when people talk about the Ravens, it's always, you know, what's the first phrase everybody uses? It's, it's all oh, the Ravens are a, a first class organization, You know, it's it's just all the time that way. So to hear that the Ravens are kind of eroding that fan base, you know, the Ravens are stuck between so many big teams in these cities. You've got Philadelphia right there. You've got Pittsburgh. You've got both Ohio teams. Then you've got, you know, Washington right there. So the market can only expand so far. So to hear that it's kind of eroding that fan base I imagine puts a smile on some Ravens fans' faces.
1: Sarah, it doesn't help too that the stadium that they're playing in FedEx Field, which Al alluded to, is just not up to par. I mean, look what happened last year alone. You had in-game plumbing issues, and a portion <laughs> of the bleachers like just literally collapse and almost hit players on their way out of the off the field. So yeah, it's a top down, unfortunately, for Washington fans it has been a struggle from an organizational sense over the years. And I thought Al did a good job at highlighting that. Uh, and And he wasn't as biased as I thought some folks in the DC sports circles typically are. So we enjoyed that conversation for sure. We hope you did as well. And before we jump, Sarah, we are now one month into this podcast's existence. It has been so much fun, a huge learning curve. We've heard from so many folks. We just, by the way, I'm going to shout out a fan we heard from right now, matter of fact, because you and I got an email from Alex Tidy across the pond from England. And there's actually a UK Ravens contingent over there that are really into the team and that are super knowledgeable. So shout out Alex for shooting us a note uh, via email. And we'd love to hear from, from more of you out there as well. You can find us at Ravensvault at gmail.com. I thought that was cool to, to get a message from him.
2: Let's read part of what he said. He says, um, Just wanted to say I found your show on Spotify recently and I am loving it. Being a Baltimore Ravens fan from the U.K., it's hard to find a lot of Ravens-related things outside the U.S. here in England. We don't even have many fans of the Ravens here, either which makes it harder following on the sports as a fan. So we appreciate that, Alex. We're glad that we're able to reach out to you and so many others. And there is, there's Bobby. I mean, listen, it's not like, you know, it's like a soccer team over there, but there is that UK, the UK Twitter account, UK Ravens fans Twitter account, which has a pretty decent little following. So I like to know that just like the Ravens are eroding that commanders fan base, you know, they're extending out into England too.
1: No doubt about it. So We are looking forward to hearing from more of you. And again, if you've been enjoying this show and and, want to help us out, we would love for you to consider subscribing, leaving a rating, leaving a review that allows us to continue bringing you the Ravens vault uh, on a daily basis. So again, a, a thank you in advance on that. And there is, again, as I alluded to, there's a number of different things we have coming up, including our instant game reaction to however things shake out, Uh, Saturday in Washington in the third and final preseason game. We'll also have a special guest episode coming up on Sunday as well. We'll leave it at that for now and plenty more, including some predictions forthcoming for the Ravens 53-man roster, Sarah. I know you've been been (laughs) chomping at the bit to get that episode out. I know that. I want to
2: do it. It's always such a fun exercise every year. It makes you – you know look deep into the ravens roster not just like only focus on lamar who's a big deal but you want to like know these players all the way down to that 53rd spot so we will definitely have predictions coming uh and i know a lot of fans bobby as you know i used to work at the ravens and they we started this uh the contest you make the cut and you can get prizes if you're the closest one to it so listen I'm just wanting to like give our wisdom here Bobby (laughs) and like help them help them win or or rather who knows I might last year did pretty well I only missed two 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 players but years before I've missed like five so you know listen to us at your own peril just another another uh, opinion out there but I I, I'm gonna love this episode giving all predictions for the 53 man roster
1: all right the bar is set then you can only have two Errors. Two errors on the 53-man roster. We're going to hold you to that uh, coming up here. So with that, we are coming up on two weeks out from the start of regular season play, and we are super fired up about what we have planned for football season. We're glad you're with us. Thanks for supporting the Ravens vault, and you'll hear from us soon.